Welcome to Small Biz Brainiac, providing employer intelligence that helps you navigate the regulatory landscape and keep you on course running the business you love. Here's your host, Thomas Rock Lindsay. Welcome to episode 27, Workers' Compensation Claims and Travelers. My name is Thomas Rock Lindsay, and I'm your small business ally, instructor, and servant, and I'm here to help you thrive in your role as an employer. This is your source for employer intelligence, as I teach small business owners to become employer brainiacs in around seven minutes every Tuesday and Thursday. So do you have employees who travel on business? Is every employee injury while traveling a compensable claim? Does your workers' compensation insurance policy provide the coverage you need? Find out on this episode of Small Biz Brainiac. Let's rock this. So you buy workers' compensation insurance because, well, you're forced to. At least it covers your employees for their work-related injuries and protects you from being sued by them. You buy it believing that non-fraudulent claims are covered, right? Well, what if Sue slips and falls on the icy streets of New York one evening while she's returning to her hotel from a Broadway play that she went to see while out of town at a convention. If you have employees that travel, even if only occasionally, then you need to understand what claims will be accepted and make sure you're properly covered. A workers' compensation claim must arise out of and occur in the course or scope of employment to be covered. And for travelers, that can get a little difficult to determine. A rise out of typically means there's a casual connection between the conditions under which the employee worked and the injury, and in the course or scope of employment, has to do with the time, place, and circumstances of the accident. First of all, from a policy standpoint, you have to make sure that your work comp insurance company is licensed in all the states where your employees might travel. If they aren't, then the next step really doesn't matter, and you should get a new policy from an insurer that is licensed in all the states your employees might work from. Work comp is state-specific, and not all insurance companies are licensed or authorized in every state. Have your insurance agent verify that all the states where you might send an employee on business are listed in either Section 3A or 3B of the policy's information page. Section 3B is known as Other States Insurance, and it extends coverage to the states listed in that section. Okay, now there are two categories of traveling employees as I see it. There's the ones who regularly work at your company's workplace and occasionally go out of town or stay in town but go to a meeting or a conference, and the ones who are mostly on the road and only show up at the workplace once in a while, if at all, like salespeople or home healthcare workers. The distinction is important because of the coming and going exclusion for work comp. This exclusion says that work comp does not apply to travel to and from work. However, there are exceptions, as usual, like what happens when an employee is going straight from work to a work site they don't normally work at, or you send them on an errand either on their way to work or on their way home from work. We can talk about these exceptions in another episode. So, for example, if your occasional traveler gets into an auto accident on the way to or from work, that's not a work comp claim. But if your salesperson 
gets in an auto accident in their neighborhood on their way to an appointment, that is a work comp claim. Besides the coming and going rule, in most cases, an employee who's injured or becomes ill during business travel has incurred a compensable claim. This is generally the case even if the injury happens while the employee is not actively engaged in work, like having dinner or hanging out at the hotel. The work comp courts are pretty liberal in their coverage determination in travel cases. But there are two important aspects that have to be examined when making a coverage determination. The first is whether or not the trip is a personal trip or a business trip. Many states use this dual-purpose doctrine that basically says that if a trip involves both a business and a personal purpose, then it's understood to be within the course of employment, as long as the trip would have taken place even if it had not coincided with the personal agenda. In other words, the employment must be the reason for the travel, not the employee's personal agenda. So let's say that you've been considering opening a new location in Chicago and you have a building you want to check out, so you send one of your store managers to scope it out. As it turns out, your employee's cousin Vinny lives in Chicago and he decides to meet up with him for dinner, probably pizza. Well, that's a business trip. But what if your employee had already planned the trip to see Cousin Vinny and you ask him to stop by the location since he'll be nearby anyway? You hadn't planned on sending anyone to do this, but since he's going, it makes sense to have him swing by. That's not a business trip. Ohio doesn't describe to this doctrine. In fact, the Supreme Court of Ohio issued a ruling in October 2014 that eliminates the application of the dual-purpose doctrine. The case in that decision involved a home health nurse living in Shelby, Ohio. She had a work assignment in Ontario, Ohio, and she decided to drop her son, daughter, and two other family members off at the mall on her way. And while en route to the mall, she was rear-ended and injured. The case made it all the way to the Supreme Court, the Ohio Supreme Court, who overturned the lower court's decision that the claim was compensable. The lower court based their ruling on the dual-purpose doctrine saying that she was en route to her assignment and had not deviated from that course since the mall was on the way. But the Supreme Court discarded that dual-purpose argument and said it's not applicable in Ohio. They said she had not yet begun her commute to the patient's home and therefore the insurance company's claim denial was upheld. The next aspect to consider is whether or not your employee was engaged in an activity that originated in and was in furtherance of your business affairs at the time of the injury. Did your employee deviate from the business activity for personal purposes? This is where most of the coverage decision analysis really lies. Was the activity at the time of the injury related to, originated in, and in furtherance of the affairs of the employer? So circling back to Sue's slip and fall in New York while walking back to her hotel after a Broadway play. She's certainly there on a business trip, so no need to assess the dual purpose rule. But was her activity at the time of the injury related to work? Did the activity originate in work, or was it in furtherance of her employer's business? Well, that depends. Was the convention still going on, or had all the activities ended for the day? Was she alone, or with potential customers, or a company vendor? You have to look at all the facts. Here's a a real claim as an example. It involves a traffic accident, as most travel-related claims do. And in this case, an employee from North Carolina was in Texas on business. His son lived about 12 miles from the office that he was working at in Dallas, 
so he decided to go meet him for dinner after work. About a half mile from the restaurant, he got into an auto accident that paralyzed him, and sadly he died several months later. The district court ruled that the travel to meet his son for dinner was not related to work. So there you have it. Let's recap. If you have employees that travel, make sure your work comp policy provides coverage in the states where you might send an employee on business. In order to determine if an employee's injury while traveling is compensable, you have to look at the following. Does the coming and going exclusion apply? Does the trip qualify as a business trip under the dual purpose doctrine? Was the activity in the course and scope of employment? As an employer, it's important to have a basic understanding of this subject to make sure your work comp policy provides coverage in all the states where you need it and help your employees with a general understanding of what activities may not be covered. Have them listen to this episode or print and distribute the show notes as a way to educate them. And finally, if you have an employer-related question for me, please go to the website and fill out the form on the homepage and I'll get back to you with an answer. Well, that's a wrap. Thanks for listening to Small Biz Brainiac. To get your questions answered by Thomas directly, visit smallbizbrainiac.com. And for more employer intelligence, be sure to join us again here on Small Biz Brainiac.